says on the screen, we are beginning Second John today. live. So, as far as introduction to it, and just uh, a look at it, um, I'd like to say to those here, the kids aren't in here right now, but uh, as far as VBS, uh, uh, Cassie's put together real nice lessons in Genesis to do with some of the, the Bible stories uh, in a way that is very helpful in understanding what God has began to do with people. And um, so not only the lessons and the singing that they'll get to do, but the, uh, the crafts, which I think are really something neat. And, uh, and uh, not only that, the, uh, the snacks. And who else? Snacks? Now, snacks for the kids at VBS. That's we right. Today? <laughs> <laughs> we should have brought some samples. But it won't be the same. See, these kids are going to really have it nice. There'll be two dogs there to pay very good attention to them when they have their snacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the whole BBS is, is added with the two dogs. Oh, yes, it fits very well. So, I mean, you just really can't do it. And uh, we're doing it at home just really for expediency's sake. Um, set up is easier for us and um, we're already going to be cool in that room, so <laughs> like I said, the dogs love it too. So as far as this Second uh, John, um, I've got a little, I want to talk about a timeline first for John the Apostle and the things that he wrote, okay? And I think this is pr- very close to the, the uh, actual timeline uh, due to all the various study of the time of the New Testament, uh, the writings, the occurrences of, of that time period from, uh, from the crucifixion, from the ascension, uh, the resurrection and all. Uh, that's where we can start keeping track of time very, very closely. So I'm very confident with this. And, of course, this makes a big difference as far as I'm concerned and many others about what's being said, why they're being said. The time frame's important. Of course, those that are, are listening to this. Um, I was taught all my life that John the Apostle survived until almost 100 A.D. I don't believe that any longer due to not only what the Scripture says, but just the uh, evidences uh, that we have. So, John wrote the Gospel of John. We know that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's quite a bit different in style and, and direction uh, of the other, uh, other three. Kind of for a good reason, I think. <clears throat> uh, a lot of people talk about the Gospel of John and they'll say, well, why isn't any of the uh, apocryphal writing that all the other three Gospels have in them. Why isn't it in John? Well, that's because he, already, he did write that, but it's called Revelation. That's what we call it. That's the, that's the, the apocryphal part of, of John's writing, John the Apostle. More, more about that later, but not today. So the Gospel of John was written late 
AD 60, we believe, early 61, somewhere in that. We can't know exactly for sure. It would take a little while to put something like that together, remember. And then the next one we have is 1 John, written uh, pretty, pretty close to A.D. 61. And then 2 and 3 John that we're going to be looking at here in the next week, 2 and 3 John, late A.D. 61 or early A.D. 62, in that time period. Uh, they're not really sequels to 1 John. They're, they're, they're just expressions of... Uh, continuance in his teaching and letters to the people that he was writing to. And then the revelation given to him by God through Jesus Christ and the angels that were there. And the revelation was written, and this is very important, late A.D. 62 or even a little later, But I believe the revelation that John wrote was in the churches before all of this that occurs in Revelation actually took place. Why? Because God's elect were living and breathing people, and he gave them an opportunity to see what was coming and some ideas about what they should do about it. And also... All of this was there once again as a witness to the Jews, to those that had not made their mind up resisting the Messiah as to what was coming next. And from everything I've read and and just the accounts of the time, especially Josephus, the, the, the idea of the end of the age of the Jews was in the mind of all of the Jews of that period. Don't think it wasn't. I didn't know that when I was a young man because no one told me and I hadn't studied it. That's why the Revelation was written then. So here's something else we know. James, which was the brother of John, the older brother, I believe, was martyred, the first apostle to be martyred, around AD 41, pretty early. Remember what Jesus had said to them when the brother's uh, mother, James and John's mother, came to Jesus asking if they could sit on his right and left in his kingdom? And he asked them, the apostles James and John, can you drink the cup of which I will drink? And of course they both said yes. (laughs) They were there for him, you know. And he said, well, you will drink of that cup, But I cannot grant you those positions on the right or left because my father makes those decisions, basically. So they, uh, both of these brothers, I believe, were martyred at one time or another. Um, John, or uh, James in 41, and John um, later, much later. And also John was exiled by Nero somewhere in the time period of A.D. 62 through 68. Now, I say 68 because that's the year that Nero died. And typically, political prisoners were released. Some say they were executed. Uh, I think really 
probably he was released, but there again, uh, this is all during a very up tumultuous point in history. A lot of, uh, as far as being a Jew in the world in that day, you had a bullseye on you, and to kill you was a service to humanity in general, and certainly to Rome, because they had, uh, they had Nero at this point had declared war on Palestine, everything that was Jewish, wherever they were. So, nonetheless, he was exiled 62 to 68 in that time period, and we can see that he probably wrote the Revelation at that time, I'm sure of that, because he was on Patmos when he wrote it. And Nero, as I said, ruled from AD 54 to 68, and that's very significant because of his actions within the time that the apostles were alive. And God's word was, was being written and was being spread throughout the known world. So as we look to Second John, the words and the teachings of Christ bear repeating. <laughs> they bear repeating. You know, the apostle Peter said the same thing in his epistles that I know I've said, you know, basically to paraphrase it, I've said these things before in your presence. I've written to you, written to you these things, but they bear repeating. Why? Because they're the words of Christ. And I guess we need to hear it more than once as people. I used to have a lot of, a lot of issues with, with uh, my kids uh, when we were teaching them how to make a bed or do this or do that. You know, I told Kathy, my wife, my mom told me to do something or showed me to do it one time, and that's it. And I guess Kathy asked mom, and she said, no, not quite that good. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, that was my how I remembered it, you know. <laughs> but I still think, well, well, uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> so... We need to hear things over, don't we? I do. I need to read them over. I need to hear others teach and tell me about it again. Uh, go back to the original language. Look at it closely. Uh, put together questions and and on all of these things. So the I think uh, to start with Second um, John, the first two verses need to be read together. To break them up almost takes away the impact of it completely. And, and um, I'm reading for the, from the American Standard Version. Um, and e even this version, uh, I think, uh, suffers uh, a little bit of problem in translation in some of the things here. But <clears throat> let me read uh, verses 1 and 2, and then I'll talk about verse 1 first. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not I only, but also all they that know the truth, for the truth's sake which abideth in us, and it shall be with us forever. Now that's the way it reads in the ASV. I, and I'll talk about some of the differences there that I think that are important. 
But the Apostle John gives us in this opening verse, in verse 1 especially, um, uh, the idea of three things here. And two of them are very obvious. Truth and love are listed there with an and between them. And, but he wants you to know how this is being put together. But it also qualifies the whole thing. It qualifies those that he's talking about, those that he says, they that know the truth. You see, all of this is tied together. And if, if they had read the, the first letter of the first epistle of John, the letter, uh, they would know what he means by this. They would know that he's talking about the brethren here, those that know the truth. And it's real important. I want to explain it just a little bit the way I see it. Now, remember the definition of truth that I read some time ago by C.S. Lewis? I think it's pretty good for a man's rendering. And he said, truth is always about something. But reality is that about which truth is. Now, that word reality, we need to understand. It's what he, what he meant by that, the reality. See, when we think of reality, we think that this is the substance of, of something to, to know about it, the truth of it. If we don't have any idea what the reality of what somebody said is, how can we call it truth? Also, think about this. The truth has always been out there as far as the truth, the truth that we're reading about in the Scripture, God's own truth. It's always been out there, but it seems that each generation must start from scratch in the discovering of that truth over and over again. Now, is that, is that my fault or your fault? No. But what a responsibility we have to those coming after us to, to leave them the ability, the documents, the scriptures, and good teaching concerning the truth of God. If we just drop it, they may never pick it up. And that's, that would be a sad thing. Now, an illustration from, from the Gospel of John, uh, John 3.16 i use this as, as an il- illustration. John 3, 16, 4. God hath so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Jesus said it to Nicodemus. Number one, Jesus knew this was true. He was the embodiment of what he was talking about. Nicodemus didn't know. But you see, Nicodemus was very, very confident that this Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet of God, the God of heaven. And he wanted to know if he was more. So I can picture 
I can picture, maybe you can too, in my mind, when Jesus said these words to Nicodemus, that his father sitting in heaven would be saying, it is so. It is so. And if only the world could know that that really was so, that that really was the truth. So you see, the truth is from God. It does not change. It doesn't diminish. The truth doesn't. But man must discover for this for himself through God's word. It never changes. It never diminishes. We live in a world that says the truth always changes. It diminishes. It increases. That They have no confidence in what truth is. And they can prove it to you by the words of men for hundreds of years. <laughs> but that's their, that's their guideline. That's their origin. They have the wrong origin for truth. How important is, is the truth? Well, to those who ask questions and question the answers, I think it's very important. Because until you get, your, get a handle on truth, you're going to have some, some problems. Another illustration about truth. John 18, the Gospel of John, um, chapter 18. Jesus before Pilate. You know, a lot of folks just read over this, but I'll tell you, Jesus before Pilate is some of the most powerful language that you'll ever read in the whole situation. Um, Pilate was in a very desperate situation, to be honest, and, and he knew it. Verse 33, starting there. Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee concerning me? Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priest delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, and I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end have I been born, and to this end Am I come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth? Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, What is the truth? Pilate's struggle is the same struggle that men have had from time immemorial. What is the truth? You don't think Pilate wanted to know the truth? He did. 
He wanted to know the truth, but he couldn't trust anybody's version of it. In the world Pilate lived, what Caesar said was the truth, regardless of not if it was true or not. Even if he could see that it obviously wasn't true, it was still true because Caesar said so. Our world and society is starved for the truth that comes from heaven. Our job as children of God is to make a clear path for those seeking God. Remove the obstacles of deception and the lies and the the rabbit trails of all things called religious and let people see God for who he is through his word without the hindrance of men's doctrines and religions. So let's let's look at that verse again. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not I only, but also all they that know the truth. What are the qualities of the all they that know the truth? Who are these people? Well, I think we need to understand, and, and, if, and when we've been through First John, all of the writings of First John, the teaching of First John, will know that these are those begotten of God, those out of God, through faith, through the gospel, through the reconciliation brought by the, his son, Jesus Christ. These are those that know the truth. So then, it would seem wrong to me that Christians say and keep saying things such as uh, they know little of the truth or they hope what they know is really true. And I've heard both. I've heard it expressed. uh, One time I heard an elder uh, say that to me, not not in this congregation, but another, that he knew very little about the Bible. And I marveled at what he said. I was almost speechless, which might seem hard to believe, but I felt a sadness come over me that really upset me. Because, you know, this truth that we have, this, this, uh, this faith we have together, uh, the common faith we have in God through Jesus Christ and the apostolic teachings, uh, it's precious. But I think the, the problem is, and I'll bring it up again, that the thinking that brings people to the idea they know little truth or they hope they know is really a product of the virus that is in the world of Christendom. We we know what it is. It's Calvinism. It's the teachings of men, the doctrines of men. Not only the five points, but the multitude of things that are taught concerning man and, and what man says about God. These folks will not let God speak for himself. They must speak for him and explain to you who he is and what he's done, as though we can't read the scripture and come to that. But they don't go there. It causes anyone 
anyone that is that has this virus and the influence of, of this sickness to become doctrinally weak in the truth and faith in God's word. It's a it's a very it's a crippling effect. And we need we need a lot of doctors out there um, to help these sick folks get well. Because you know, they're good people. So verse two, as I said, verse two needs to be part of verse one. We have a little time, I wanna get into it here. I'll read it again in this context. The the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, not and not I only, but also all they that know the truth, for the truth's sake which abideth in us, and and it shall be with us forever. You see how that all goes together? You can't break it up. Now, verse 2 would be much better read, and this may not be perfect, but in reality, because I studied all of these words in here, and there's it's rather misleading, especially the very last part of that verse. Be better read, I think, if it said this, because this is what it literally says, um, on account of the truth, the abiding in us, that is the truth, and it shall be, which is future tense, unto the age. It'll be with them unto the age. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the very last part of Matthew, where Jesus said, I will be with you until the end of the age. It's the same. It's the same here. I notice that almost all of the English Bibles use that word forever there. Uh, and yet, in, in the Greek, it's very clear. It's unto the age. Um, yeah. There's that word age, and of course, the the problem. Yep. Unto the age. You see, forever, what does forever mean? Depends who you ask, doesn't it? But most people will say infinity. Well, that's not what it means in, in the Greek language, especially not here. In other words, there was a time, there was an end of that age that they were talking about, that the apostle was talking about. And also, also that they understood when they read it. You want to know what they thought? They didn't read the word forever the way that we understand the word forever. They understood it as it was written. And the first part. That word sake, if you look, try to look it up, you'll, you'll, it'll take you back to the word for. That's a preposition there. Prepos- it's a phrase, but it, it means on account of, or um, uh, there's, there's other renderings of it too, which mean pretty much the same thing. Um, this is what causes this. Uh, on account of the truth. Whose truth? God's truth. That's what the apostle is talking about. It's God's truth. Here's the facts. The truth. The truth. 
is from God. It lived in the apostles and the words that they spoke. They had the mind of Christ. That's the truth we're talking about. So on account of that truth, they do their teaching. The doctrine is set for the church. The truth from God and the apostles lives in the church, the body of Christ. Not that there aren't some enemies to the truth, because there's lots of influences that are trying to erode that truth, to try to add to or take away from that truth. But the truth from God and the apostles through, our, through, through the scriptures lives in the body of Christ. That's why, doesn't the Bible say there's one, uh, there's one faith and there's one, one church, one body rather, one body? Because the truth in that one body now, you can put any name you want on the building and have all your own truth <laughs> that you feel maybe genuinely and heartfelt that it's true. But if it isn't, if, if the origins of your truth that you teach, that you believe, is not from God, then it's not true. In, in a fullness it needs to be. So, friends, if it's truth that you seek, It must have its origins in heaven from the mind of God, if we can use that expression. I believe Jesus said in in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, to his Father as he was praying, Father, your word is truth. See, all these things fit together and they can't be taken apart. They can't be taken apart. And when we say truth, we need to qualify what we mean. Is this God's truth? <clears throat> or is this the truth about something that, that we've uh, come to know? I got a closing verse today I want you to consider about the truth. Because I think this idea, uh, what the apostle is saying, whom, where he says in verse 1, whom I love in truth. is a very uh, weighty subject. And when we hear the word love, we know that there's lots of different forms of love, but the love he's saying here is the agape love, you see. The love that God requires of his children towards each other and, and to him. And it's been modeled through Jesus of Nazareth. He showed us what agape love was. He defined it in everything that he said and did. Everything. That was agape love. Gospel of John, chapter 12. Verse 45. The words of Jesus. I want to close with this because I think it's powerful, and it gives us an idea of the idea of love, the truth, and the word. And he, this is Jesus speaking, that beholdeth me, beholdeth him that sent me. I am coming a light, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me may not abide in the darkness. 
And if any man hear my sayings and keep them not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my sayings hath one that judgeth him. The word that I spake, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I spake not from myself, but the Father that sent me. He hath given me a commandment, what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know this commandment is life, eternal. The things, therefore, which I I speak, even as the Father hath said unto me, so I speak. Can we see the origins of truth? The words Jesus spoke came from his Father. He spoke them by way of commandment to his Father. He that has listened to Jesus is listening to God, his Father. And I think if if you want to circle your wagons around anything, circle it here. Because you won't go very far astray if you stay within the perimeters that Jesus has laid out. Jesus spoke these words to the Jews 2,000 years ago, those that were awaiting the Messiah, awaiting the knowledge and and the the, uh, revelation of the Messiah, all that would come, these things he, he did. And to confirm it, he made it very clear where where he had came from and who had instructed him to say the words that he said and that they would be judged by the very words he said. Any more need to be said? I don't think so. All right. <clears throat> 